will get you one real quickly. Just keep it up real high. Uh, once you get you one, go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 20, uh, 28. Matthew 28. Now, as they're getting you the Bible and you're turning to the scriptures, I, I just want to go back to the last week as far as what happened with Jesus' life. A week ago today would have been called Palm Sunday, and that's when Jesus came strolling into the city riding on a donkey, and they said, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then throughout the week, different things happened. But on Thursday is when Jesus ate the Last Supper with his disciples. On Friday morning is when Jesus was falsely accused and he was turned over to be crucified. He was beaten, he was bruised, the crown of thorn was placed upon his head. And then scripture says that about noon on that Friday, he was crucified. The worst death you could die. And it says that about 3 o'clock, he cried out, it is finished. That the the redemptive plan for mankind. And so about Friday at 3, Jesus died. And not only did he die physically, he died spiritually and he went to hell for every one of us. For every one of us in here. And so from Friday about 3 o'clock till early, early Sunday morning, which would be today, Jesus was in the depths of hell. And the Bible's very clear that he took on the principalities and powers. Actually, Colossians 2.15 said he disarmed them. And after he disarmed them, he even bruised the devil's head. And it said that he took the keys of death and hell. And that leads us right till today. And so we're going to begin in Matthew 28, verse number 1. Now, after the Sabbath, and remember, guys, the Jewish Sabbath was on Saturday. It started Friday at 6 p.m., and it would end Saturday at 6 p.m. So it says, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn. And so it'd be like today, today, a Sunday morning. The day after the Sabbath, the first day of the week, and it began to dawn. And look how this day was brought in. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake on this morning called Resurrection Morning. That there was a great earthquake. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in an earthquake or before. Now, I've been in one. And it got my attention. But this earthquake, I believe, got a lot of people's attention. That when it took place, and it's so... So it says that there was an earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and he came and he rolled back the stone from the door and he sat on it. Now when I read that, I I can envision this angel showing up here and he rolls this this massive stone, uh, stone away from the tomb and he sits on it. I believe he was mocking death. I believe he was saying to death, where is your sting? The devil gave Jesus his best shot, everything he had. And so I can see the devil sitting there. I mean, the angel sitting there. And saying, oh, death, where is thy sting? And so it goes on to say, his countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow. And the guard shook for fear of him, and he became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid For I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. And look at the response. He is not here, for he is risen. 
See, guys, today, this is what Easter represents right here. This day, right now, is the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And to me, this was saying that death couldn't hold him, the grave couldn't hold him, hell couldn't hold him, that he is risen. And this watch separates Jesus from all the other religions of the world. If you look at Buddha, or the Hindus, or Muhammad, guess where they're all at? They're all in a tomb or in a grave. Not Jesus. He's the only one that's risen and alive. Actually, the Word of God says that He's seated at the right hand of the Father today, right now. The, the, the undisputed champion... He's the heavyweight champion of the world. Now to me, guys, this is the Super Bowl of all Super Bowls. The only difference between this Super Bowl and the Super Bowl we watch in early February is we know who the winner is here. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Turn over to Romans chapter 4 if you got a Bible. Romans chapter 4. I don't know if you remember the old song that Gaither sang. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I like to think of it this way. Because he lives, I can face today. I can face tomorrow. And I can face my future. And I don't know about your past. But my past, there's a lot of shame and a lot of disgrace and a lot of sin. That's what marked me. And I remember about 20 years old when I'd lived a life of sin and, and my gods had been athletic things. I began to look at life and say, there's got to be more than what I'm living for right now. And when I saw the images of this man named Jesus that died for me, it affected me. And it still affects me. And that's the goal today to, to each one of us that we understand. He died for you and he died for me. Now here in Romans chapter 4, this chapter is about one of the patriarchs of faith, a man named Abraham. And everything that Abraham did, he had to receive it by faith. And that's the same for me and you. We have to receive the things of God by faith. I don't know if there's any of you in here that have ever seen Jesus face to face. Maybe some of you have. I have not. When I gave my heart to Jesus, guys, Jesus didn't show up with a business card and hand it to me and say, I'm Jesus, you really need me. No, I heard the scriptures. And something began to stir up in my heart and I knew, this is real. This is real. And so I had to receive him by faith. Now with that thought... Romans chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Now it was not written for his, Abraham's sake alone, that it was imputed to him or accredited to him. But also for us, it shall be imputed or accredited to us who believe. Who believe in what? Who believe in him, Father God, who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. That's where we have to get as human beings. And when you study the scriptures, that when Jesus rose from the dead, he was witnessed by over 500 different people until he ascended into heaven. The Bible says that for 40 days after he was resurrected, he walked this place and he made great, great truths to men and women. 
but he was witnessed by men and women. Guys, we don't have the luxury to see him face to face. But that doesn't mean I can't believe. And so he goes on to say in verse 25, who has delivered and who was delivered up because of our offenses. You know what that means? Jesus was delivered up because of your misdeeds. Because of your sins. Because of your iniquities. The things I've done wrong. Now, what's the incredible story about this is Jesus never did anything wrong. Jesus had no sin. He was tempted as a man. The Bible says that the Word became flesh and Jesus for 33 plus years walked this earth as me and you did, but without sin. But right here it says is that he was, he was uh, delivered up because of our offenses. He took my place. He took yours. And it goes on to say, and he was raised because of our justification. He secured our justification. And that word justification there means he set us right with God. And so Jesus paid the full price for humanity. He took everything upon himself, but he didn't have to. Now to understand this word a little bit more, the word justification, Romans chapter number 5, verse 18, it says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men. As one man's offense or one man's sin. That was talking about the man Adam. And every one of us as human beings When we're born into this world, we are born into this world with a sin nature. Every one of us because of the nature that came from Adam. If you don't believe me, let me ask you this. How many of you had to go to classes to learn how to sin? I never remember my dad as a teenager or as a young boy saying, Now, everybody get in the car. Tonight we're going to class to teach you guys how to cuss. No. That was my sin nature. I didn't have to be taught how to steal. I didn't have to be taught how to lie. And so this is part of the justification. So he goes on to say that that because of this offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. You know what condemnation is? It makes you feel guilty. It brings up your shame, your past. And this is what happens with our sin nature. But here's the good news this morning. Even so, through one man's righteous act, Jesus, what he did, the free gift came to who? To all men. Now I want you to note in there, it said the free gift came to every one of us. You know what? Even when you've been given something, a gift, you still have to step out and take it. You still have to receive it. And I could offer Ty something here this morning. And you know what? She could deny it. She could say, I don't want it. And that's the same with us. That God has made us free will beings, guys. And God will not force you to give your heart to Him. He'll never do that. It becomes a choice of my own will. And so the free gift comes to who? To all those who receive. But he goes on to say, to all men resulting in justification of life. Now, to help you a little bit more with that justification, it also carries the meaning of acquittal. So if we want to a court of law today, 
it would all come down to a thing called evidence. What's the evidence? And in Revelations 12.10, it talks about this person named the devil who's known as the accuser of the brethren. So it says that day after day, night after night, the devil goes before Father God. And he tells Father God of all of Raul's sins. And he tells Father God of all of Ernest's sins. And he tells Father God of all of Erica's sins over and over and says, They've done this. They've done this. They've done this. They've done this. And Father God's nodding his head like, Yeah, they have. They've done everything you said. But you know what he does next? He says, Let's see the evidence. And without Jesus having to say one word, He stands before the judgment seat. And he holds his hands up. And there's holes in his hands. And he lifts his shirt up. And he shows where he was pierced. And then he turns his back and lifts his shirt. And there's the 39 stripes from the flogging that he took. And you know what? Father God looks at the devil and says, Justified. They've been acquitted as if they've never sinned. And when I receive Jesus as Lord in my life, I come underneath his blood. And every time the devil shows up and knocks on my door and tries to remind me of condemnation, my past and my sin, you know what I tell him? I'm under the blood. I don't know what you're talking about. I've been washed. I've been set free. And Jesus lives in my heart. And guess what? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still justifies people just like me and you. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And as you're turning there, when Jesus was crucified on that Friday, and about 3 o'clock he died, I believe all of hell and all of heaven had their eyes upon that cross. All the demons and the devil himself, they were looking at what was going on. And all the angels, and even Father God knew what was going on. Now can you imagine what was going through Father God's heart at that time? When Jesus cried out, it's finished. Knowing that he was separated from his father from the first time because of our sins. But I believe when the devil witnessed this, I believe there was high fives going on in hell. They were celebrating. They were partying. You know why? They believed that they had forever silenced the Son of God. I believe the devil was telling, we got him. We got him. We got him. We got him. But about that time, God stood on the throne. And he said, it's time I brought my son home. And I believe when hell started shaking with that earthquake that the devil began to take notice like something's going on. What does all this mean for me and you? Listen to the scriptures here. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13. But I don't want you to be ignorant or uninformed, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Now when it talks about falling asleep there, it's literally meaning that they've died physically. But it's interesting the Apostle Paul says that we've just fallen asleep. You know what that means? They may have died physically, but spiritually they're still alive. 
They're still alive. Now listen to what he else goes on to say here. Concerning those who have fallen asleep, least you sorrow or grieve as others who have no hope. They have no hope beyond the grave. In other words, when we die, it's over. I want you to leave here today knowing you got hope. We're going to put some kingdom hope in you today. Verse number 14. For if we believe, here we are with that again, we believe, faith, that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. Now note there, it says not only do they sleep, but they sleep in Jesus. Who is this talking about? This is talking about the patriarchs, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, to Joseph, to Daniel, to David, to the Ruths, to the Hannahs, to the Peters, to the Pauls, but even more personal, to your loved ones, your family members, maybe your grandma who stood and prayed for you. The day's coming, guys. You'll see them all again. It goes on to say in verse 15, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain here on earth until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven and with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. I want to highlight something here this morning. Resurrection Sunday was marked by an earthquake. I believe that day, everybody on earth understood something just happened. But the second coming of the Lord and Savior Jesus will be marked by something that we've never seen or heard before. That it says, there will be a shout. I can get real loud. But it won't be in comparison to this shout. This shout will be heard in hell. This shout will be heard in heaven. This shout will be heard all over the universe. Even if there's life on Mars and Jupiter, it'll be heard. It'll be that loud. You can clap. And then a trumpet's going to blast. A trumpet's going to blast. And you old folk in here, kind of like me, who remember Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass, they won't match this, I promise you. And think about this. He said there'll be a shout, and the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will rise. Now get the picture of this. They'll begin to rise, and you'll look, and there's Aunt Sally. And Uncle Buck, and they're taken off. And look what it says in verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain on earth shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Always. See right there, guys, if you'll believe the scriptures, it'll put a hope back in you. Beyond the grave. And it says right there that we'll be with Jesus forever. Now what happens to us as human beings? We have a hard time understanding that word forever. Most of our time is based on today, tomorrow. I mean we think it's big to think 20 years in advance. 50 years. 
if, if I live long here, I'm going to live a hundred plus years on earth. But for eternity. For eternity. And I like to say this, guys. We don't play with a ball game. We don't play with today, tomorrow, next week. We play with eternity. And in saying that, every one of us in this room right now, every human being that's walked this face of the earth or will walk the face of this earth, they'll spend eternity. And there's two options. Heaven or hell. And let me tell you a little bit. People don't go to hell because of their sins. They don't, know. They go to hell because they reject Jesus as Lord and Savior. You know why I can say that? Because every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has fallen short of the glory of the Lord. Pastor, have you sinned? You know, the Apostle Paul says that he was the chief sinner. I'm going to tell you right now, I ran him a close race. Just like some of you did. But I'm going to tell you, the, the, the difference between me going to heaven or hell, I come under the blood. I live under the blood, guys. Every day I live under the blood. And when my mind thinks on things it shouldn't, I speak the blood. I say, I come under the blood. And when my eyes look at things they shouldn't, my eyes come under the blood. And when my heart does things that I know is wrong, I come under the blood. And when my mouth speaks things that I know I shouldn't, I come under the blood. I've been justified. But look how he ends in this, this verse. You guys on the drama team, come on up here. He goes on to say in verse 18, Therefore, comfort encourage one another with these words. You know what that means? We're to look at each other, encourage each other, and say, guess what? I'm heaven bound. I'm heaven bound. You're heaven bound. I don't care who you are. I'm on my way to heaven. This is why, guys, I tell you today, that we can have a sense of knowing. We can have a sense of, of having in our heart, I know I'm going to go to heaven. I don't have to doubt that. Guys, I can stand before you today and say, I don't fear death. I literally don't. I don't fear death at all. Actually, right now, when I know that people die and go to heaven, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, I don't feel sorry for you. I rejoice. I rejoice at that because the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1, to die is the gain. He said, to die and depart with Jesus is far better. Far better. Now, just a couple years ago, I got laid over at an airport. And my wife had the book of the little boy who died and went to heaven. I, I don't remember the name of the book. Somebody tell me. Heaven's for real, thank you. I don't do real well with titles. I'm reading in this airport. Two and a half hours I read that whole book. I'm sitting in this chair, and literally, there's piles of Kleenexes all around it. I'd read, and I'd cry. I'd just sit there and cry. And people would walk by me and look at me like, are you a big crybaby? What? I thought, I'm telling you guys, it wore me out. So the next coming weeks, you know what I did? I would read, read that book. I would highlight things that the little boy said. And it would pull on my heart. And if you've never read the book, listen to this one part. 
the little boy had been into heaven. And one day, he's five years old, I think, and his dad said to him, whatever his name is, I'm going to say Billy. He said, Billy, if you keep running out in front of those cars, you're going to get run over and hit by a car, and you're going to look like that little dead rabbit in the road. You know what his reply was? Good. I'll get to see Jesus faster. And when I read that part, guys, it moved me that this little five-year-old understood heaven. So for about three or four weeks, I kept reading that book and I'd go back to it. And one day I told Shelly, I said, you've got to get that book away from me. And she said, why? And I said, because I'm desiring to check out of here. I'm desiring to say, hostile is on you, pastor's out of here. That was the pull of heaven. That's why it's so real to me, guys. Let the drama team minister to you through this this morning. Go ahead, guys.